From the massive studios in Raleigh, North Carolina, this is the Cloudcast with Aaron Delp and Brian Gracely, presented by a Cloud Guru, bringing you the best of cloud computing from around the world. Good morning, good evening, wherever you are, and welcome back to the Cloudcast. We're coming to you live from the massive uh, Cloudcast studios here in Raleigh, North Carolina. It's just me, Aaron, this week. How is everyone doing? Um, We have two just great guests this week. Um, And first one is Farah, and second we have Kilton, both co-founders at Edgeworks. We'll kind of do introductions individually here for a second. Farah, why don't you go ahead and start? Um, Quick introduction, and then also I have a question, a VC question to ask you as well, but go ahead. Sure. So uh, as you mentioned, I'm a VC turned entrepreneur. Um, I've been a a VC for a number of years, always focusing on early stage, always looking for great technical guys like Kilton. Um, My focus has always been on finding brilliant technologists because, you know, I think the team is always uh, the most important in building these great companies Um, and then helping them with the product vision, product fit and uh, helping get the company off the ground before I do the early stage investment. But in the case of Kilton, I was so taken by uh, what he was built, had already built. And, you know, I believe in the edge as a thesis that I actually quit my job, uh, just made partner and uh, joined up and started this company with Kilton about a year ago. So, happy to be here. Fantastic. And so I have to ask you real quickly as well, as I understand it, you were involved with Solid Fire in the very early days. Is that correct? That is true. Yep. So, uh, so I, you, you were involved in the super early parts and I was involved in the super, the end part. So I, you know, I did a couple of years and got acquired by NetApp and did a couple of years at NetApp and now I'm off doing the next thing as well. So I, maybe I have to say thank you. <laughs> <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, yeah, it was a great investment. We were there on the first seed stage and Again, that's kind of been on my model is to find really, really, really great tech companies and then help get them started off the ground. And uh, you're welcome about NetApp. Um, I did help uh, talk to them about uh, making that acquisition happen. So I'm really glad that you enjoyed it. Fantastic. So, Gilton, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and, and, and a little bit more of, it, uh, again, the, what you've been doing and the problems you're trying to solve. And, and yeah, maybe a little bit more as to why Farah you know, quit her day job and, and decided to join you as well, right? Sure. Yeah. So to give like the brief history, um, you know, I've been a techie my whole life. I, I started programming uh, when I was uh, seven or eight years old on a Commodore 64. And it wasn't long after that that I was writing in um, machine language, which is uh, kind of the equivalent of assembly for the Commodore and got into um, uh, digital le- electronics. And so this kind of this IoT era is kind of my era. You know, we have this this proliferation of a lot of different processor types and stuff. So I'm just having a blast. But um you know, I, I moved from Chicago to the, the San Francisco Bay Area in like 2014, and, and I took up a pro bono role with the city of San Francisco to help out with um, evaluating, uh, you know, IoT technology opportunities. And every everything that came in our door, you know, from big companies and small companies all had the same problems. There's like no real secure way to be running software in the physical world and no way to manage it and so on. And, uh, and you know, and so after seeing the same problem again and again, I just struck out on my own and said, you know what, I'm going to I'm going to go ahead and solve this. And that's kind of how this all started. And that was, you know, 2014 and uh, a couple of years into it, having figured out kind of like what architecture seemed like it was going to work for the world, um, started to get some some traction in terms of usage of the tech. And that's when I met Farah. And so it's just the, the time is actually really right when you look all around you're seeing edge this and fog this and whatever 
the, the reasons are that we're actually starting to make use of these deluges of data and folks are realizing, well, you know, sending a terabyte of data over the Internet when you don't have to is, you know, really kind of silly from cost you know, perspective and latency. So there's a whole bunch of reasons to be at the edge. And now is just a time that I think everyone's waking up to the extension of the internet down into the physical space. And so uh, we're having fun with it because uh, it kind of vindicates all these years of effort. Yeah, yeah. That, that makes perfect sense. And so so tell us a little bit more about Edgeworks specifically then, because, um, you know, obviously a new venture, um, as far as I can tell, kind of, you know, Maybe just out of stealth, if I could use maybe that terminology, maybe y'all can help me out with exactly how far along you are in the journey here. Yeah, so, you know, uh, that's a great question. So Kilton's actually been building for the Edge before it was even called that. Uh, So he's been building a product since 2014, and we've gone through multiple iterations of it. In 2016, it was open sourced by the Eclipse Foundation. So it's been around. uh, People have actually been using it, but it's kind of been sort of like, like, I guess you would say stealthy in, in the sense that, you know, we haven't really put the word out. Uh, we're actually launching the product this year, launching ourselves as a company this uh, this summer. So we're actually coming out of stealth in that way. Um, from a, what we're trying to do standpoint, um, you know, as Kilton mentioned, you know, there's the edge is a real big focus nowadays. Uh, people are really looking towards it. You know, I, I read recently that Microsoft is putting in $5 billion over the next four years. Um, and what really differentiates what we're trying to do here is if you look closely at a lot of these edge companies, um, they still are really closely tied to the cloud in that uh, even if you take a look at somebody like um, uh, Amazon, uh, Particle, uh, Microsoft, a lot of the real actual data processing happens actually back in the cloud. So they're doing allow you to do some sort of like, um, you know, analytics processing or some minimal processing in the case of like, you know, Lambda scripts at the edge. But the, the, you know, the more meats of it still goes back to the cloud. And we believe that's not going to be the path forward. And what we really want to do is focus on how do you, can you really run real meaningful software at the edge. So that's kind of what you know our, our thesis is. Alongside that, we want to make it so that we democratize it, that you don't really have to learn a new SDK, you don't have to learn a new programming model, you don't have to learn a new framework. You can take the tools that you already have, you can take software that you've already written, you can take best-in-class software like TensorFlow and others and run it at the edge without having to repurpose it. We have to rebuild it, re-architect it for the edge. So that's what we're trying to do so people can actually build for the edge today. Like you say, we want to make it e- building for the edge as easy as building for the cloud. Yep, and that makes perfect sense. And and to let's also maybe dig into definitions a little bit more because I feel like too when when we first started this podcast years ago, you always had to when we were talking to guests and we were talking about cloud, we had to define cloud. And I feel like when we're talking about edge, we need to define edge because. Um, there's multiple ways there's multiple layers there's multiple multiple definitions and and um and and so there's a post and i'll put it in in the show notes as well um there's almost multiple layers to edge you know in 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 this instance maybe there's four layers of device gateway processing cluster and, and and cloud meaning you know okay that device is the physical hardware but then you've got to get that hardware somewhere you have to do like you were saying the processing on it somewhere but then when you do the processing somewhere you've got the data halls back and forth you've gotten the latency of getting the data there to getting the processing and getting it back Tell us a little bit more about how you envision the layers and architecture working. I'm glad you asked that question. I think you might be referencing that uh, Stacy they had in our article the multiple layers of edge, which actually is uh, the what it was actually um, a slide we created for uh, a pitch deck that we shared with her um, at, because we wanted to get more specific about how we define the edge. Um, and Kilton, why don't you actually answer this question because you do such a good job of it? Sure. 
You know, it's very similar to the the list that you just gave, Aaron. So the device itself is, you could call that kind of like the extreme edge because it's the, the source of data. There's no, it's no more edgy than that, right? Because um, it's pinpointed. And then the immediate layer above it is, uh, we like to call it the enabling layer. So one of the things that separates um, the kind of like the, the full production scale world of IoT from, um, you know, the kind of the R&D or the, the makerspace version is when you don't really care that much about board cost and you've got Wi-Fi everywhere in your home office, you can use a prototyping board that, that talks directly to some cloud and Wi-Fi. But you're not going to do that in production in a 10,000 square foot factory or warehouse. Um, you just simply don't have the reach, the connectivity or the battery life on things that you're deploying in mass quantities. So this enabling layer is the gateway layer. And it's where you transfer between like low power wireless to your standard um, uh, internet connectivity or network connectivity. So basically, how would you go from like Bluetooth low energy or Zigbee or LoRaWAN and turn that into regular TCP IP, you know, Ethernet connection? That's that gateway layer. So it enables. And that's for us where the magic of the of the processing starts. Um, and then above that, you called it uh, like processing centers. You could call it, we call it micro data center in, in our description. And this is like probably on premise, but it is not physically located where the devices are. So it can't do the low power wireless. Um, you know, Bluetooth has got a range of 10 meters or 30 feet. Bluetooth, you know, five is better. But um, still, you can't be in some back closet uh, in the center of the building and talk to the stuff in the room, in, you know, in the patient care room of the hospital or right where the work's being done in the factory. And then above that, of course, is then, you know, cloud, which is central. We all know what that is. So down on this enabling layer where we, we do the conversion, the reason why we focus there is the devices themselves, they can have intelligence and probably should. You know, why would you why would you report any any new any data if it's not new? So if the temperature has been exactly the same for the past 10 minutes, maybe just send it when it changes. This is great use of device intelligence. But our intelligence is on that gateway layer because it's the first chance you have to process more than one data source. It's the absolute first stop for aggregate data processing. And it's also your last chance to add context. So when you think about it, once you're off that factory floor and away from the machine, do you know where the data source is? And if the device can only report you know, four bytes and that's you know, a high precision temperature reading, um, how do you add that context about which device it is and what machine it's attached to? So you really need this enabling gateway layer to be far more intelligent than a lot of folks have thought about it in prior years. And that's, uh, that's magic for us and that's why, we, that's why we focus there. We run equally well up in the processing center or the microdata center and up in the cloud, but very uh, few other technologies run really well in the gateway. So that's where, we, that's where we focus on making our magic happen. Yeah, that makes that, that that makes sense. And so if I you know pick it apart even a little little bit further of I'm trying to now take that what are those definitions and apply it to what I've seen about Edgework so far. So if I understand this correctly then you know the problem you're trying to solve is at the gateway layer first of all. And then it is, how are you trying to interconnect or provide value at that gateway layer? Is that a kind of a correct assessment of it? And, and then maybe also explain just a little bit more about um, the, that, that, that source and the problem of latency and, and, like you were saying, context, right? Adding how important it is to add context in as well. So if you could maybe connect those dots just a little bit more for us. 
Sure, happy to. So um, first on the value add, it's, it's even more than that. If you can interconnect devices, um, you get the opportunity to, to actually provide the value across devices that everyone's been looking for. For example, I know to slow the speed of the assembly line motor because I'm detecting that the, um, uh, the weight is uh, too light on the, on the filled boxes and therefore we just automatically adjust, right? This is called operational technology, OT. The problem with, with OT translating to IOT is that it's usually closed and you can't do anything with that data upstream. So with our stuff, you're able to do those interconnects and make use of the data. So it's more than just interconnecting, it's actually uh, providing interoperability, doing data ingestion, making secure connections to, to devices, and then uh, also enabling you to actually do the processing right there. So that's where that kind of latency comes in. Um, the latency over a serial port, um, you know, a wired serial port from um, a piece of machinery to the gateway is very, very low. Um, you're within cable distance. And you can take advantage of, of that to do some really fast turnaround processing uh, and enable you to do real-time analytics or just uh, command and control kind of stuff for uh, and, and operational technology OT stuff for something like a shop floor. And then above that, though, you have now merged that device into the, the, the enterprise spread, the enterprise scale system. So it's something more than just providing a connectivity for a device. Um, you add context here. So I'm going to give you an example. If you were to uh, take a pressure sensor that is um, uh, used to determine how much material is loaded onto a pallet, for example, and you take that reading, and that reading is, uh, is a four-byte number, and it's high precision, you need to start adding stuff to it immediately in order to make it valuable in the bigger system. Um, what pallet number is that? What factory are we even in? Um, and uh, what material are we trying to measure? Uh, who's the employee? Or who are the employees on shift that are actually doing the work? Uh, how about timestamps? So when when was this reading taken, and so on? And all of these things are contexts that are very difficult for inexpensive, lightweight, and battery powered devices to transmit, because um, if four bytes is used to send the pressure, you need another four to send an accurate timestamp. And so you essentially, essentially double your uh, data transmission required to put that context on the device. And now how about the ID on the pallet? Do you think that device should be flashed with the ID of the pallet? Probably not, because if you got 10,000 of them, that's 10,000 devices getting flashed. I'd rather just slip them in the pallets and have the gateway layer do the context adding. So that's kind of what I mean by that. Yeah, the, the, okay, okay, I'm with you. And then so... Help me out then with when we when we're talking about like a platform layer or applications. Are, are we talking about full blown applications? Are we talking about containers? Are we talking about microservices? Are we talking about unikernels? <laughs> There's so many different ways to define. Okay, if we if we define what edge means, there's also you have to define what platform means. And so, what is kind of your thoughts on platform in all of this? Uh, so we kind of envision ourselves as being a horizontal platform for the edge. Um, if you look at, you know, the approach to IoT up until now, it's l largely been solution specific, like, you know, having kind of a, a, a solution for oil and gas, having a solution for, you know, automotive and whatnot um, for uh, agriculture. And the challenge with that is, you know, if you want to change your use case even a little bit, now you have to get in a whole new solution, right? So it's a very vertical way of thinking and it creates these like silos at the edge, which is not the way we want to build for the future. So what we've done is we've 
provided a platform on which you can run any uh, microservice uh, that what we can do is take applications, package them as microservice. They can be packaged as either Docker containers or as unikernels, and they can run at the edge. The beauty about this is that you can run any application. You can run application that you, if for example, in oil and gas, if you've been building it for the last 10, 12 years, you've perfected it. You don't want to rewrite that for the edge. You can build that. You can build, take best-in-class software, things that people have already built. Uh, for example, um, TensorFlow I mentioned earlier, uh, we were able to package that in under an hour with entire neural net and run that at the edge. Um, and then you can, you know, again, build new software for the edge. And we, we have allowed people to do that on top of our core IOFOG um, software that's actually been open sourced by the Eclipse Foundation. And we've already begun developing a microservice marketplace where people can develop any application that they so choose in any vertical uh, and you can go in there and just, you know, uh, take it down and, and use it today. So, um, and then on top of that, you know, we as a company in building this horizontal application, we're obviously making it such that people can build any application that they want on top of it. But as we go into these different industries, we start to see these patterns emerge of uh, applications that people want to run. And so we're, we've actually been working at building these, like almost these bundle of suites, you know, like an oil and gas suite, a telco suite, a surveillance suite where we can sort of say, hey, these are this we can take customer yeah, requirements and then sort of like generalize it uh, so that people can then take what we've built and then sort of like customize it as, as they so choose. So there's a number of ways in which they can solve this problem. Um, but to answer your question, we are a platform. Uh, we can run any application in the form of a microservice using the technologies of Unikernel or, or Docker containers. Uh, Kilton, is there anything more you wanted to add on top of that? No, I think you nailed that pretty well. Yeah, and I guess if you want to add a little bit more detail, how you make these things all work together is that uh, you just use a set of local APIs as opposed to using any kind of a special library or SDK. So you can just kind of use the skills you've already got. If you're a C-sharp developer, it works. If you're a Python developer, it works. Node.js, Java, and so on and so forth down the line. And we do that because if you have to pick up a new tool set in order to build for the edge, then you, you need to spend all your time uh, getting ready to build and making your bet on that one that one platform as being the place where you're going to play, or you spend all your time kind of recompiling or repackaging to try to make things compatible. And you really should just be able to drop it and go. And that's the promise of the cloud, right, is you can basically write something and run it on any cloud platform. I don't know of any cloud platform that says no Python here. So why would the edge be any different? Kilton, you have a great point there. And let me also add this, though. What is... What is kind of, I'm thinking through my head of like, okay, what are the challenges here? And there's obviously always a number of challenges when it comes to Edge and IoT, but but which ones have, in your experience, have jumped out at you the most in these kinds of solutions? Is it the intermittent connectivity of IoT? Is it the low bandwidth? Is it the, the, you know, the lack of repeatability that requires more of a platform kind of approach to solutions? Is it all of the above? What are the biggest challenges your customers uh, have seen so far in your experience? So we have, it's definitely all of the above. And, uh, <laughs> of course. <laughs> and Farah and I get up and talk about how the, the edge is different from the cloud the main factors are you've got you've got power problems, right? Battery life and just lack of availability of, of power on the mains, and um, and you have bandwidth problems, and you have intermittent connectivity, and um, you have big security problems, and um, all of this and more comes to the forefront. And the lack of repeatability is, I think, just like it was in the early days of the the cloud architectures. 
it's just a matter of time before uh, the best architectures start to settle in and folks are finding, oh, it's far more repeatable than we thought. It's, but the repeatability is more on approach than it is on you know precise code reuse. Um, we give you great code reuse, but you're still going to have to think through the architecture for each deploy. That's fine. Every application's got its its attributes. But um, so in matters of like um, sparse connectivity and and you know battery life and so on, yeah, this is the stuff that that this is the stuff that makes it so different handling the edge than handling like the data center or the cloud. And that's exactly why we exist. Um, if you're solving these problems, like the intermittent connectivity, if you're solving this problem on your own and rolling it in-house, then you're essentially solving the problems that we've been solving for the past couple of years. Uh, and uh, we think we've done it pretty well. Why would you want to tackle that on your own again? Um, we've done a ton of deploys to, to field test and so on. So you kind of have you know this, this whole suite of issues that makes the edge so hard. And, um, you know, security is one that I think a lot of folks think has not been handled very well yet. But we'd say actually to the contrary, uh, it's something we've been focusing on for years and happy to go more in depth on security. But I don't want to derail down into a security conversation. We can maybe get some more detail. No, actually, that was going to be my next my next topic, because I was going to say, yeah, you mentioned the S word security. And and so let's let's actually talk about that, um, because our our listeners maybe think of security, but they think of security in more of a cloud context or more of in a, you know, virtualization context or a very traditional enterprise data center context. What are some of the security challenges in IoT and Edge at the larger, uh, you know, level? And then more specifically, you know, in in the things you've implemented or seen in the past, um, what are the, the, you know, kind of very in the weed security challenges that you're attempting to solve here as well. One of the challenges in security, as you mentioned, is that people do think about it from a enterprise or cloud perspective. And for us, that's been a big opportunity because we've, we've actually thought about it from the ground up. Kiln actually being an uh, IOT director uh, sa- uh, from in San Francisco um, actually has some great real world example. And one, uh, I think um, it's actually kind of a fun one that we'd like to share with you today as a jumping out point from how we think about security. Yeah, there's, uh, so if you take the, the standard cloud security architecture, which is largely focused around, you know, uh, PKI um, infrastructure and then issuing, uh, you know, keys out to, to things as, 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 as equivalent to identities, trusted identities. If you take that and just put that out into the physical world, you run up against the kind of one of the, the primary problems of security at the edge. And um, the problem is that um, in cloud and, and data center stuff, you have um, physical protection of the compute. You're not able to just walk into a data center building and plug in a USB keyboard and mouse and you know um, uh, get into the, uh, the boxes there and start doing what you want. But at the edge, you are able to. And had this incident in the city of San Francisco with the, uh, the SF Muni and um, – you have uh, security credentials that are embedded into edge devices that sit on things like city buses. And well, somebody got their way in uh, because essentially the, the keys to the house were left out there. And that's not bad mouth anybody there at city. This is the common practice of the day. And so this, uh, this person who got in used it to, you know, do all kinds of nasty stuff, shut down some of the gates and, uh, open some of the other ones. And they were asking for some Bitcoin. Um, and, um, 
they got uh, reverse hacked because you should pick a different city other than San Francisco. Somebody got into their email and blocked them out. And uh, it was just really funny ending for this for this uh, Porsche lab. We tried to hack the city. But the point being, you can't take what works in the cloud and put it out in an environment where you don't have the same physical guardrails around all of your equipment that you that you normally have. You're going to end up with uh, some really nasty scenarios. So you got to think differently about edge security. Um, and uh, the best way to think about that is, well, if I assume that everything that I put out there is going to be physically compromised, then what would the edge compute layer, the infrastructure layer need to do in order to get ready for this? And um, that's stuff that we we handle. And to get a little bit into the weeds and you ask, like, so what, you know, implementation wise, what kind of stuff have we run up against? Well, uh, how about something like this? First off, if you have to have a private key that you flash into every device that you put out there in your IoT deploy. And this is, by the way, this is uh, Amazon's AWS IoT. This is their model, is that this is required. So first off, you're putting the keys to the kingdom out there because when somebody gets that device and takes the private key, then they've got a trusted gateway into the back end. But also think about what it would take to flash 10,000 devices, each with their own unique private key, that is all done for you at uh, operations time. That's a whole lot of labor in order to get your stuff out the door. So it just really doesn't hold that scale. But also, you don't want to leave those keys out there. So for us, it's all this. We've got this um, this dynamic um, uh, mesh network. That's so it's a software network that rides on top of connectivity, and everything that you plug in with us uh, goes through a series of checks of the signatures that are all uh, dynamically. Uh, oriented. You don't have some baked-in private key that somebody can steal. You have what we call secure session through the entire software network. And that means that when something's physically compromised, we detect it and it gets quarantined. And so if somebody takes the box, the box off the city bus with when it's running Edgeworks, um, the moment that it gets uh, altered in any way, the signatures no longer match. And it's not allowed to transmit over the software network but it's it's not removed either. It's quarantined. So we actually know someone's doing something, but it's not allowed to participate anymore in the data flow. And we shut down all the microservices and stuff immediately. So and wipe off the data that's uh, that's being held there. So you just got to think about edge like, you know, if I'm entering into a world that's that's really looks kind of wild west, then shouldn't I be protecting myself from the ground up? Uh, and that's why we say the architecture has to be, you know, edge first. You can't think of it as a it can't be an afterthought. And, that, that's what's led us to build what we've built. Yeah, yeah and it's, the, go ahead, go ahead, Fer. I was going to say the old, just to you know, sum up, the, the old model, you know, what it does is actually increases our attack surface. And what we do with our software by adding this extra layer of security is we increase our uh, defense surface, and that's what we're trying to do. Yeah, and it's, it is, like you mentioned, Kelton, a completely different mindset because I, I come from the, uh, yeah, you just, you assume the device is safe context and you're coming in from a assume the device is compromised state <laughs> um so no I, I i like that a lot that's that's a great way to 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 kind of eye-opening way to look at security with this it's very the zero trust world out there exactly exactly and in between that and the 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 differences as far as the the multiple layers it is it is a very different way to think about things uh for sure so we're we're running at uh our time here um so fair and Kelton, where can everyone find out more about you, about Edgeworks, and about anything you have co- coming up? Well, you can go to our website, uh, www.edgeworks.io. Uh, you can follow us at Twitter, uh, at Edgeworks.io. 
And uh, you can go to the Eclipse IOFOG site, uh, www.iofog.org, um, where you can actually just download our software and start using it today. You can start using microservices that have other people have developed. You can develop your own uh, and post them up in, in our micro- marketplace. And at some point, uh, you'll be able to monetize those uh, microservices as well. So there's a number of ways you can actually get started using IOFOG today. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much, uh, both of you, for your time. And on behalf of Brian, who wasn't able to make it this week, uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. And we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, Aaron. Thank you for listening to The Cloudcast. Please visit thecloudcast.net to find more podcasts, show notes, and everything social media. And visit acloud.guru for all your cloud training needs.